There's nothing better than this right now. God, we thank you for miracles in this house right now. You're a miracle-working God, Lord, right now. There's nothing better than your presence right now. There's nothing better than this right now, God. I know some of us are thinking about yesterday or thinking about tomorrow or thinking about when the kids grow up or when we have more money or when we have that house or, or when I'm healed or when I'm better. Or when I'm, but there's nothing better than this right now, God. We need now faith. Right now faith. Now faith is. Now faith is. Now faith is. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody. Right now God wants to do it. Right now. Quit, quit regretting. Quit worrying. Right now God wants to do it. Come on, Hebrews 11. Now faith. Come on, if you see it, it's not faith. If you have it, it's not faith. Right now, there's nothing better than right now. God, open it up. Right now, heaven for you right now. Come on, right now, he's healing. Right now, he's delivering. Right now, he's encouraging. Right now, he's renewing. Right now, he's delivering. Come on, nothing better than right now. Some of you need a miracle right now. You need now faith. Come on, your mind all morning's been other places. Your mind's been on that problem or on that issue. But right now, now faith, this moment, God's presence, he's here. We assume it because he promised it. He is here and he's for you. Holy Spirit faith right now. There's nothing better than this right now. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus heal. Jesus deliver. Lord, set free and courage. Lord, champion faith. Lord, I just pray for miracles right now. <laughs> we believe right now. Some of you need now faith for a miracle. You're in this place. And you need now faith. There's nothing better than right now in his presence. Everything you need is in his presence right now. That miracle you've been begging for, God's saying, quit begging. It's here. It's right now. Right now. Come on. You don't have to beg for what he's already given. Come on. Right now, I just sense miracles happening right now. Just that report changing right now. Just right now. Come on. Your mind changing right now. Come on. You're encouraged right now. Come on, Jesus, he's above it all. God, his power is above it all. Now faith. Lord, even though we don't see it, we believe it. Faith is the substance of things we hope for. Come on, there's a substance here. There's a substance in this place. There's a substance in his presence right now. The hope of your calling. The inheritance he's given you. We're just, we're just right here, right now with you, Lord. We want everything you have right now. You've brought us to this moment right now. Every step's been ordered to right now. We receive what we need right now. Jesus.
grab it. Come on, it's from the Lord. search it out God come on we're going to dig it out God Lord we're digging for it we're digging for it Lord you said it's the glory of God to conceal a matter but the glory of kings to dig it out <laughs> but we're digging it out this morning come on Lord this afternoon we're going after it Jesus everything we need right now you are the God of now, yesterday, today, and forever. Come on. Some of you think that you messed up too bad in the past to have what you need in the present, but he's the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, so he can fix yesterday to take care of your now. He's in the past. He can go back and rearrange your mistakes and make something new happen called a miracle in your moment right now. He's got tomorrow in his hands. somebody in here has been in mourning for years and that you're, you can't dry up your, your tears, that you've just been crying, you've lost something, you've been in mourning and you haven't been able to pull yourself out of it. God says today that ends, that he's turning your, your, your tears and your crying and your weeping to joy. Come on, joy comes in the morning. This is a new dawn and a new day for you. Come on. You know who you are. You can't, you, you've lost something great. You've been mourning been mourning for years and God's saying it's a new sunshine a new day for you in Jesus name I just sense miracles and faith in the room I'm so thankful we want God we don't want church we want God 
I don't know what. I also I heard leukemia has to go. Come on, I heard that. I heard that a minute ago as we were worshiping. He's the Lord over leukemia. And cancer has to flee. Come on. I just heard ADD has to go. Come on, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Depression has to flee. Come on. An endless hallelujah. Come on, the angels around the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Night and day, night and day, bowing and rising up. Come on, for eternity. If you get worried about standing up, worshiping for a few minutes, you're going to have trouble in heaven. You're going to have trouble in heaven if you can't worship in the now. There's nothing better than right now. You're going to have trouble for forever. Oh, Lord. Just thank you for the prophetic word of God. That's just healing in marriages right now. Come on. I just, I just speak to, to new expectations right now in marriages. Come on, where y'all have been grinding on each other's nerves and giving up. Lord God, right now, just restore and re, re, rekindle and refire and rebuild. Come on, Lord, let, let, let all the grievances pass and let right now faith rise up. Come on, right now faith. Now faith is the substance of things we hope for. I speak to hope coming alive. Come on, faith, hope, and love. Come on, I pray for hope right now in somebody that has no hope so that you can believe that there's faith in the now, substance of what you hope for, and evidence of what's not seen. Come on, you don't see it yet. I get it, but the evidence is called faith. Come on, we stretch out our faith muscles right now. Come on, we got to exercise them. God, we believe that you've got everything, that in your presence is the fullness of joy, that we don't have a joy problem, that right now we're in your presence, and this is the, the best thing right now in your presence, God. And at your right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. Father, I thank you at your right hand is Jesus. And in Jesus is pleasure forevermore. All the riches, all the unsearchable riches of Christ, You've given them to us as an inheritance. Thank you, God, that you've put inside of us all the power. Lord, I pray, I just pray for an exceedingly abundantly above and beyond spirit this morning, Lord. That take off lack, take off minimalistic thinking, take off, take off every boundary that we've put on ourselves, take off every bit of uh, small prayer and small thought. You said that you would do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we could ask, think, or imagine. Lord, if we could think it, you can top it. If we can dream it, you can beat it. Lord, I pray you just start beating those things that we've been, that we've been capping ourselves with. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We give you glory and honor. This right now, there's nothing better than your, your presence. Father, I, I thank you for revival in our spirits, in our house, in our hearts. Come on, let us be a supernatural people, God. Let the prophetic continue to rise up, just hearing the voice of Jesus for people in this house, but not just here, out in our grocery stores, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. Let us hear your voice. Lord, if we could just tune into your voice. All this is about hearing your voice. Lord, if my people could, could hear your voice, you said, if my people would hear my voice, would pray, turn from their ways, and hear from heaven, I'd heal their land. Lord, help us hear from you. Help us carve out space to hear you. We love you. Speak loudly to your people this morning, God. Speak to me. Jesus.
refreshing, God. Come on. We love you, Lord. Let's give him one more moment of praise as we grab our seats. Come on, Lord. He's worthy. I don't know what you need today, but he has it. As you grab your seat. Good morning, church. It's a little different flow. Come on, we're open to just waiting on God a little bit. Look at somebody that you're sitting next to and tell them you're lucky to be sitting by me. Look at the other person and say, but Jesus has what you need. <laughs> I, uh, I'm thankful to be in, in this service. That was a little bit of time. We just worship God for a minute. I hope y'all might not be used to that, but I don't know. I just believe in his presence is what we need. And so we don't just need church. We need Jesus. And I think there's something about, I mean, it, just, it was hitting me when we were singing, this is you know, right now. It's like this, there's nothing better than right now. And so often that's not a reality for us. So often we're not in the now faith moment with God. We're in the yesterday wishes and we're in the tomorrow hopes. And it's like what, what God's doing right now is, is, is the best that there is. It's a now faith. And I think if we can get into the now with him, we can receive what he has for us in that moment and in this moments like these. And so... I pray for you. If, you, if that was you and that word about just mourning, I'd love to pray with you after, after service. Um, I don't know what you've been through, but I know uh, God wants to dry up some of those tears that you haven't been able to, to handle. But we're going to jump in this morning. We're in a series called Tangled, and I've got to give it all to you real quick, so you've got to listen fast today. Um, we, we have a lot happening. We have Wednesday night, one night taking place for our student ministries. Come on, if you're a student, sixth grade. Yeah, sixth grade. Come on, Danielle, sixth grade to 12th grade. Uh, one night is uh, this Wednesday, and so they're going to be having a, a, it's called Hunger Games this, this, this month, and so they're going to be doing uh, some contests and eating stuff and throwing up and doing all kinds of stuff like that. So if you know kids, if you know somebody in sixth to 12th grade, you have kids, you are a kid, or you got a bunch of kids in your neighborhood, get some candy, put them in your minivan, and bring them to church on Wednesday night. Don't get arrested, but uh, I think it's important. Uh, to get them here on Wednesday. And then we have Next Steps next week. Next Steps, if you're a guest to our community, uh, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor you're here. Uh, maybe you've been checking us out for a while. And um, we gather around a person named Jesus, not principles, not theory. Uh, we love theology, but we don't want to just gather around theory and theology. We want the presence of God. Our first part of our mission statement is to experience God. And so I hope uh, that as we come together, we can experience his presence. And uh, Next Steps is kind of a, a class, two hours, uh, once a month, the first Sunday of every month, kind of telling you what we're about, vision, values, and we do a spiritual gifts test in there and a leadership kind of test to give you an insight into how God made you and what your spiritual gifts are. Many Christians don't know what their gifts are, what they're called to, and so we look at that and then we uh, give you an opportunity to get onto a team. Uh, speaking of a team, we have a lot of great teams here that need you and, and we need each other. Many of you have met some people coming in, were greeted, you had worship. We just, there's all different types of teams. We'd love to have you on a team um, and jump in. We have a team night coming up on the 4th, uh, September 4th, big team night. And so it's going to be good. We're going to look at, uh, talk about culture, give away some awards. I'm going to preach a little five-minute word. Yeah, right. It'd be 20 minutes. But, uh, but we're going to have extended worship there, longer worship. A lot of you say, I wish we could worship for an hour, you know. We're going to have that there that night, have some anointing with oil and just praying over each other, kind of setting each other apart as the team for the new semester and the fall semester. If you're not on a team and you're wondering about being on a team, come. Come check that out that night. Um, we're going to encourage and pray. Uh, if you're on a team, hope to see you there. And uh, if you've been coming here for a while and you're not on a team, don't come. You're not invited. 
love you, uh, but you're not invited. You know, I just uh, listen, man. Everybody said, well, what about a team? Like you, just because you got a jersey on and you're sitting in the in the stands, don't make you a part of the team. You know, just because you shout from the stands over here at UT with the jersey don't mean you're a part of the team. I, I want to encourage you, like, like, you need to get on a team, like get a Sunday serve team where we're serving and making uh, church possible for people that aren't a part yet and coming and meeting people. And you were here for the first time one time. And so, you know, it's important for us to make that home to someone else coming for the first time. And it takes all of us. So I would encourage you to jump on a team. And it is an amazing opportunity to serve and give your heart and life to something bigger than ourselves. So jump into that uh, team night. Connect groups. Somebody look at somebody and say, connect groups. Get connected. We've got about 70 plus connect groups, I think, launching this semester. Uh, more than we've ever had. I'm in a connect group. I got a connect group. Uh, uh, we're going to have hiking groups. I think we got one already. I see them. They, they do hiking. We've got a, a mentorship group where with the Machi uh, Foundation. We got about five or six people that joined with that, and they got a little community. There's all different types of little communities to get a part of. Listen, I want. It's so important. Hear me. I know everybody's busy. I know you've got your group of friends. I get it. But like, there's something about being a spiritual family here. And if this is your house, there's, a, there's an anointing and a presence of God on this house and something in this soil that as you begin to gather in community around what God's doing here, God's going to take you into something new for your life. I want you to hear, this is why. The Bible says this. If we confess our sins to Jesus, he's faithful and just to forgive us. That's so true. And Christians, we are great at that. We want grace. We want forgiveness. But forgiveness deals with yesterday. forgiveness deals with past sins it deals with how you acted in traffic coming to church today (laughs) forgiveness deals with what you said last night to your spouse or to you know forgiveness is is dealing with yesterday healing is for tomorrow so the bible says that we confess our sin to jesus and he forgives us we're good at that but it says we confess our faults one to another we get in, in relationship, in community, and we confess our faults one to another, and we pray for each other, and the Lord would heal us. Right. Healing deals with tomorrow, and if you don't have that type of community where you can get real spiritually and get honest, and be, you're not going to get to the level of healing God wants you to walk in. So why do we push it so much? Not just to have something else to do. I believe there's healing for your tomorrow as you get into community. And I get it. Like, maybe you've been burned by relationships. You've been burned by a connect group or it's weird. You don't want to go to someone's house. I get it. We're all busy, but they're only 12 weeks and we're not, you know, we, no one's going to chase you down. And you, get, you can get out of it in the first week if you don't like it and find a different one. But, but it's good just to take that first step. You're going to be welcomed. You're going to be loved. And it's not about the curriculum. It's not going to learn the Bible. Listen, there's going to be prayer. There's going to be maybe a Bible. They might be hiking. They pray together. There's going to be some intentionality, but it is about relationship. It's not about any of those other things. It's about relationship. And so I'd encourage you to jump into that. Our series, Tangled, um, this is uh, the third part. We're going to finish next week. I'm going to give you some practicals today on just to untangle and simplify your heart. We've been looking at just living simple, untangling. There's so many tangles in life. There's so many things we looked at the first week. Just the soil of our heart gets full of thorns and, and weeds and things in our heart that kind of choke out the Word of God. We have to untangle the soil of our heart. The, the fruit of our life is dependent on the soil of our heart, not the word of God. The word of God is always fruitful. It's our soil. How's our soil? So we looked at tending our heart last week. We looked at getting some insight. Sometimes God puts us in situations where we lose eyesight. We looked at Samson. We don't understand what's happening. I can't figure this out. But then we lose understanding with eyesight because we're not called to walk by sight. We're called to walk by faith. faith. And so we walk by faith. And usually in the seasons that are the darkest, we get the most insight, not versus 
eyesight. And so we looked at that last week. I want to give you some practicals today just to get some things untangled out of Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Paul speaking, I believe. He wrote the book of Hebrews, I believe. And uh, he says this in verse 1. This is the context. The pretext is chapter 11. We'll look at that in a minute. But this is what Paul says in summation or under the practical steps of what 11 and, and the first 11 chapters of Hebrews said to us. Chapter 12. Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The title for today is Weight Cut. Weight Cut. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Holy Spirit, uh, show us Jesus today. Give us the power to walk this message out, to live this, to hear from you, and to do what we need to do so we can become more like Jesus. Jesus, we just want you. We love you. We need you. And we thank you so much for giving us your life. And we thank you for the Vols dominating this season and going eight, eight or greater in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. It's going to be a good season. The weight cut. Um, I know some of you in here love combative sports. I like combative sports. Uh, I hate to exercise, so I like to do different combative sports. I like to hit stuff, kick stuff, punch stuff, wrestle, whatever, you know. And um, so uh, years ago, we had a big, uh, anybody like UFC in here? Anybody enjoy UFC? Come on, some hands. Y'all are the, y'all are the wild boys. Come on, the noon crowd. Yeah. All the other, all the other services, they were lying. They wouldn't admit it. They're like, uh, can I? Can I say that in church? I'm like, man, y'all a bunch of hypocrites. Y'all watch it at home, won't raise your hand up in here. And uh, years ago, we had a Mayweather fight and a, and a Conor McGregor fight here on, our, on the big screen. People say, how can you show that in church? I'm like, I'm going to watch it at home. Why would I show it at church? I'm not going to be a hypocrite. And I was like, you're the hypocrite. You watch it at home, but make fun of us showing it at church. It's too holy at church. Man, ain't nothing holy about this building. God's with me, right? And so, so I like combative sports. And so one of the big things about combative sports, boxing, fighting, whatever it is. And one of the hardest things most of the athletes will say is the weight cut, cutting the weight. And so there's a whole science around cutting weight to fight in a certain division. So you could be weighing 190, walking around at 190, but when you fight, you go down to like 170 to fight. And so there's an advantage because what you do, and many fighters can lose like 20, 30 pounds in a 48-hour period of time. It's crazy. And they'll dehydrate and they'll have different meals and different ways they start to cut weight. And then in the, they weigh in and then they have 48 hours to add the water back and add the weight back. So they actually fight at a heavier weight than they weighed in at, which gives them an advantage to a certain degree. But, but there's a, a, a science to it. And all fighters know, and they say this, whoever masters the weight cut in combative sports and does it the best and does it most efficiently taking the weight off and putting it back on, whoever does that has the greatest advantage in the fight of any fighter. And it's the same in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God and what we do in this race is a combative fight. This is not an easy race. It's not for the weak and faint of heart. It's not just little cultural Jesus. We have an enemy of our soul. We are in a battle. We have someone trying to take over the planet named Satan. And we're the salt and light of the earth. And you think there's an enemy just going to let us fight the fight and not, and not have any problems. We are in a fight. <laughs> and in order to fight effectively, we have to be able to master the weight cut. Like Paul's saying in, Rome, in, this tw- in 12, in Hebrews 12, like cut the weight, like cut the sin and run the race with endurance. 
There's this weight cut to run the race. Look what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, talking about Christianity. It's a fight. He says, I've fought the good fight. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. Come on, he's talking about a fight, a battle. Anybody ever had one of those weeks? It's a battle, like a fight. Like this week, my faith was under fire, man. Like Friday, Saturday, it's just, just a fight. And I don't know, maybe you don't ever have that. If not, then you should be preaching up here. If you never go through any, you know, if you've got it figured out. But like, like I just think sometimes we have to understand we're running and racing. And our faith is compared to an analogy of a combative fight and a, and a race to endure under. And Paul says you've got to let go of some weight. Here's what I want you to know. Fighters don't just starve themselves. They don't just go at it with no plan. They don't just say, okay, I'm just going to not eat for a month and go anorexic and lose the weight. They've got a strategy. They've got a plan. They've got coaches and scientists and doctors and teams, entire teams around cutting weight. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars in their, in their training camps to cut weight. And so for us, look, we've been given the Holy Spirit, the great designer, the greatest coach, the greatest teacher to show us and speak to us and give us insight on what to cut and what to remove and how to run and how to, how to strategize to get a plan. And so I'm just going to give you a three-part plan just from the scripture, very practical today, and uh, hope it'll help you. Paul says this, lay aside every weight and, and run the race. Number one, you have to remove weight to run right. Whatever, whatever it is right now in your life, if you're one, I'm talking to myself today big time. Come on, I'll preach to me. Pastor Drew and I were talking today. He's like, this is to our team. I'm talking to us. And, 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 and in order to run right, you've got to cut some weight out of your heart or out of your life. What is tangling up your heart right now that's not allowing you to run with endurance? And this number one is prioritization. You have to prioritize. You have to make sure you have the priorities. When Paul says, hey, cut to run, he's talking about priorities, like make sure there's priorities. And he tells us that we're in a race. I, I think it's good news that he tells us because I hate to run. Anybody like to run? I mean, when you, you love to run, praise God for that, man. I can't talk to myself that long. I mean, I just, and I, and I just, you know, jogging, okay. And, but Paul says, like when you go, the, the, the attitude of a jog is different than a race, right? Like if you go out to jog, it's like, we can jog, you know, it's just a little, just a jog. It's just, we're going for it. Just about my jogging pace, right? It's as fast as I go, you know. That's, that's a mentality of jogging. There's a different, when Paul says we're in a race, that's a whole different attitude. That's a whole different perspective. That's a, my kids used to race and they'd be the, the kids that would like get to say go and they would ready, set, go. You know, they would always try to beat each other by deciding who said go. Whoever says go wins, right? If you don't, oh, ready, set, go. You know, and, and it's like, oh, okay, you win. My kids, they'd do that, but they'd also, my kids would change the finish line. And so they'd be racing. And they were like, it's the tree. You know, they're in the middle of the race. It's the tree. I'm like, dude, it's the line. You can't go to the tree. They'd race me. It's like, it's the bush. I won. I'm like, you can't change the finish line. In the middle of the race. The thing about, the thing about a race and priorities, hear me. It's the finish line. Running a 100-yard dash and running a 400-yard meter. 400-yard dash or 400-meter dash. Think about a 400-meter dash and a 100-yard dash. What's the difference? They're both races. There's a medal involved in both. There's runners in both. What's the difference? The only difference is the finish line. The only, the only difference is how you prioritize based on the finish line. So if I'm running a 100-yard dash, I'm coming out full force. I'm using all my energy, all my strength. If I'm running a 400-meter, am I running on my own? How many turns are there? Do I have a baton? What do I need to wear? You, you strategize your life 
based on the finish line that you've set for yourself. Write this down. The finish line of your faith will determine the strategy of your fight. The finish line of your faith today. What do I need to cut, God? What do I need to prune, God? I'm in a race. What do I need to care about in my heart more right now, God? What do I need to take care of so I can run better, God? The, 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 the finish line. The finish line will determine how you fight and what you prioritize. I mean, what's your finish line? Really, what's your finish line? If we're looking at our life right now, and I'm looking at my life, what's my finish line? Paul said his finish line was to please God. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you, not, do you know that all those who run, run in a race, all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. He's saying, listen, what you're doing in this race you're running matters. Like, it's not a job. And so, so when I'm looking at the priorities of my life, like this matters. If my priorities are to get a better house, get a bigger job, get a promotion, do well, get a, get a country club, you know, fit into the country club, get the right people in society around me, network well enough to get to the next level so my kids can fit into that group of people so I can have enough popularity so I can get some more money and get, and get the boat that fills up, you know, with water so I can surf behind it. And then I can go on the, you know, if I can get the bigger house and the bigger boat and the nicer car, if that's my finish line, I'm going to be tangled. I'm going to be tangled in the complexity of of culture. My heart's going to be tangled. I'm going to set my priorities based on that, right? Get some more money, breathe some more air, put enough money away to buy an RV and visit as many national parks as I can. (laughs) Headquartering out of Florida. Come on, anybody? Y'all know them. You've seen the RVs. I'm I'm not making fun of an RV. I'm, I'm making fun of the finish line, if that's the finish line. You know, I mean, if that, I mean, look, go visit Parkway, but if that's your goal to get to that place, we're tangled. Or my finish line, I'm praying, and your finish line, I'm praying, is like to get to heaven and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, son, enter to my rest, that actually you've brought as many souls as you could to heaven, and we're bringing as many people because we believe some people live somewhere forever. And like this matters, and this race matters, and we're running for a prize and a crown. And Paul's saying we're running to hear, well done. If you're doing that, then you're giving into something and building something and prioritizing something called the kingdom and God's will and God's church that outlives you and leaves a legacy after you're gone forever. That's the finish line. And so we prioritize so we can get the things and we cut the weight and we let God get us to where he wants to get us. We, we came back from the beach this summer with my family and flew back. And on the way to the beach, we were all sitting in row 17 and back in the plane. And the stewardess comes back to row 17. We're sitting on the tarmac for about five minutes. I mean, you know, after about five minutes, you begin to get a little antsy, right? It's like 10 minutes. I haven't had good plane luck this year. And uh, I don't think it was about 10 minutes on the plane. I don't know by now. We're, we're getting on. We're like, come on, can we go? And uh, she comes back. She says, we need three adults to move from the back of row 17, anyone behind row 17 forward because the plane cannot take off because there's too much weight in the back of the plane. I looked at my wife, I'm like, oh my God, like if this plane, if these engines can't get off the ground because of 600 pounds, like we're in the wrong plane. Like what happens if it was full? You know what I mean? I'm like, man, and they're like, it's weight distribution, sir. I'm like, can I get off please? If you can't, and, and, and they're, and so they get people to move up front and there's three of people and then we don't move and then some people move and then they, she comes back. She's like, we need one more, please. I'm like, oh, we're going to die today. Could it be that the plane in your life and God and the things of God aren't taking off the way you want because you haven't reprioritized the weight to the front of the boat? 
the front of the plane? Are there some things, are there some things you need to prioritize and move forward in your life? Come on. God's got all the powers and all the engine power he needs to lift your life and lift your marriage and lift your ministry and lift your business. But it might be that you're not taking off because you haven't put some weight in the right place in your life. Maybe you need to move some weight. Maybe you need to cut some weight. Come on, the things of God, you, you might be mad at God right now because you're tired, but it's a weight you're not willing to cut out of your life. Sometimes we get tired and something we won't let go of. There's a weight limit in God. There's a weight limit in God. You go to the airport, how many of you go to the airport and you got the bags and, you go, and, and there's a weight limit with the bags? You get charged $500 to pay, if you're over like two, a pound? You might as well pay for a plane ticket, put some wings on my bag and fly it there, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and then, and I don't, I didn't, you get there and like the line's held up and you get, and you're like three pounds over and I don't weigh my bags at home. Who does that? Come on, everyone. I'm not going to be weight shamed over my baggage. Okay. I'm not going to weigh my bags at home and everybody in line's pissed off at me because I didn't weigh my bags at home. How many of you had anxiety about the weight of your bag? You're like, I don't know. It feels like it's 50 pounds. It looks like it's 50 pounds. You know, we, we're going on a trip. We had a bunch of people going on a mission trip. Nine of us, we had our bags full. We get up there, and the lady's like, these bags are overweight. And like, maybe you guys want to divvy up some of the weight. And we're like, all of us are there with our bags open. Like, this is, the, how much does that weigh? That's the makeup bag. That's 75 pounds. Move it over here. <laughs> Get the hair dryer. You know, we're moving stuff and trying to reweigh it. Like, you're good. You're one pound underweight. Ching, ching, ching. We saved $50. Awesome. We went through all. I mean, think about it. We're going to do that to save 50 bucks. Should we be more concerned about the weight of our souls? And the cost it cost us to carry comparison and get ahead and bigger house and more money and more better friends and better community and better, you know, the right people and the network. Shouldn't we be more concerned about the cost of our soul on anxiety and worry and depression and comparison? Come on. I think some of us need to say, okay, God, I'm going to cut some weight. I'm going to move it out of my bag. Here, here, here's a simple thing to do when it comes to cutting some weight. Let your yes determine the rest. Take your calendar. This is very simple, practical. Take your calendar and say everything you want to say yes to and put it on your calendar. And then that will allow you to say no to everything else. Your yeses should determine your no's. Okay, so for me, I want to spend time with God. Put it on my calendar. I want to spend time in the Word. Put it on my, I want to spend time with my wife. Put it down. I'm going to hang out at church, even when the vols are playing. Even when it's not sunny or when it's rainy. Come on, I'm saying yes to community of faith, to let God recalibrate my heart. I'm saying yes to generosity, to tithing. Not tithing once in my life. Saying yes to tithing, giving 10% of my income to God, prioritizing my finances through the finish line of faith, prioritizing giving to God. And that lets me say no to all the things I need to say no to and yes to what I need to say yes to. Some of you need to say yes to that. Yes to my spouse. Put a date on your calendar with your spouse. Yes to my kids. Yes to me. Yes to my health. So, so you begin to put some things on your calendar that you say yes to, then you're able to say no to stuff. I have people getting mad at me all the time right now because I'm saying no to stuff. I say, I can't do everything. You know, the best way to accomplish nothing is say yes to everything. And so, and so our church is growing and people want appointments and different things and I have to say no. I'm like, well, he doesn't care about his, the sheep and he doesn't care, he's a pastor, he doesn't care about people. No, I'd just rather have a healthy date night with my wife on Friday than say yes to everything. So, 
Some of you just say yes and no, yes and no, no strategy, no priority. Number one, you have to prioritize. Then he says, cut the sin out of your life. Lay aside the weights, cut the sin. Very interesting. It says sin. Lay aside the sin. One sin, like that one thing. Come on, that thing that gets you. You know what it is right now. It just went through your head. It didn't say sins and 50 cents. It says that sin, that thing you do. Yeah, you. <laughs> we all have it. The bent, the inclination, the battle, the bend, the, the thing that we get burned by over and over and over. Lay it aside. You ever met somebody like they broke their leg like eight times roller skating? You probably should quit. <laughs> like somebody that wrecked their car like 15 times. It's called Uber. Get off the roads. Same girl you keep dating. Same type of guy you keep dating. Keep getting burned over and over and over. That thing that keeps burning you. They're a great person, but they always get burned by. Come on, there's that thing. For, you know, I got my thing, but like, I got to get Ben and Jerry out of my house. I can't even negotiate with him. There's two of them, I think. I lose every time. It's a, it's a sin. I got to get it out of my house, right? Lay it aside. Many of you are so tired because you've used Jesus to accessorize your life. Jesus is not an accessory to an outfit that you're trying to make look good. Jesus is a necessity for your heart to give you transformation and change. And if you're carrying him around, if you just added Jesus to your old life and not letting any transformation take place in your heart, you're tired. You're piggybacking Jesus to look good, to fit into the cultural thing. Go to church, that's great. But what are you allowing him to cut out of your heart? What are you allowing the weights to him to get rid of off your life? So number one, you have to prioritize. It's very important, just prioritize. Number two, very simple, the right crowd creates the right courage. I'm almost out of time because you guys prayed too long this morning. <laughs> I'm not a voice too, so y'all pray for my voice, man. I've been, been straining in my voice lately. The right crowd creates the right courage. This is inspiration. Number one, prioritization. Number two, inspiration. The Bible says, therefore, therefore, what's it there for? It's a hinge. He talks in chapter 11 about all these saints of the ages, these pastors and prophets and patriarchs, these men and women that had a lot less and did a lot more, that suffered and went through hell, were sawn in half. Noah and Abel and, and Abraham and Sarah and Enoch and David and Samson and Samuel and these great saints and patriarchs of the faith. He says about their life, they ran by faith. And it says, therefore, the hinge, you run with endurance. Since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's inspiration. Listen to me. I'm not running alone. You're not racing alone. It says, let us run. Since we're surrounded, and you got to hear this. As I was studying this, I, I saw for the first time something I'd never seen before. It says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it says they're witnessing to us, not watching us. I used to think it was an Olympic stadium like where they're watching and cheering, watching and cheering, but that's a lot of pressure for my race. It's not watching and cheering. They're actually witnessing. What does that mean? They're actually witnessing with their lives saying, we made it. That we endured by faith and that we overcame the trials and the pavement of the race, the pain and the hurt. We were sawn in half. We endured by faith and you can make it too. You don't have to quit. You can keep running. He's saying that we witness to you. You come from kings and queens, from giant slayers and kingdom killers. You come from the pedigree of the king of kings. That whatever you're facing, that you can endure and you can run. Their life is witnessing to us. And it brings inspiration. They're not just watching for their pleasure. They're witnessing for their promise. Waiting for us to run and complete our race so the promise can be theirs. 
There's inspiration. You need inspiration from them. You also need inspiration from people that you run with. It says, let us run. I need you. You need me. You need the person next to you. Your breakthrough sitting in someone on your row. Let us run. There's two types of people. I go and train and there's a workout on the board. There's all types of exercises. It's an hour workout and I walk in there. I can hear the people right now. There's one group of us like, come on, we got this. Let's go. We can do it. Come on, we got, we're working, just stretching. It's kind of, we got it. There's another group. Are we supposed to finish all that? Like what? Shut up. What are you going to do? Read it? Just going to read it and sit there? You came here to work out. How long are we supposed to run for? Like, is that 50 on the left and right arm? Or is that just 50 on both? Is that 50 on both sides? Is that 25 per side? Like, can you quit critiquing the workout? It took enough faith for me to get my butt to the gym. I'm trying to get some courage in here. Just work out. Like, surround yourself with people. We can do this. We can run. We got this. We're alive. We can race. We come from kings and queens. We're children of God. Like, I want to encourage you. Like, there's, there's inspiration. You're not in this by yourself. Connect groups in two weeks. Inspiration. You need people around you. And the last one, the most important one, is concentration. Fix your focus. Paul says, let us run this race with endurance. Do you know what the word endurance is there it's perseverance you know what it means it means to remain under you know what the word race is it's agon it's where we get the word agony (laughs) yeah yeah it says looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith for who the joy set before him despising the shame endured the cross, endured, 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 and run the race with endurance, 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 remained under the cross and sat down at the right hand of God. It's telling you and I to fix our focus on Jesus. To fix, Really, when it says looking unto Jesus, it means forsaking, looking at everything else, all the other pain, all the other hurt, all the other wounds, all the other tangles, all the other things that are coming at your mind and work, and look right to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, looking past those things, no matter how you feel, what you're facing, what you're fearing, looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher. Concentration is on Jesus. If you're looking to him, you can receive power from him. Come on, sometimes we're looking at everything else. And and Paul's saying here that you would actually run the race and remain under the agonies of life. Well, Well, I'm encouraged today. Yeah, I'm encouraging you because you can win. I know life's not easy. And the thing about Jesus is he endured. And if we've got to cut some stuff out of our heart to endure... It's nowhere the comparison of what he had to cut out of his life. He had to cut it the blood out of his life and endure a cross. And listen, it says, for the joy set before him. The cross wasn't the joy. You and I were the joy. So for the joy set before him, that's why I want you to hear this. Joy, joy is a focus, not a feeling. When you begin to focus on Jesus and focus on something different, now all of a sudden, He is the joy of our life and we can endure, we can remain under whatever the agonies of the pavement are. You ever had a coach that coached you but never played the sport? He can give you all the terminology and all the techniques and all the book smarts He wants. I need street smarts. I need field smarts. I need sweat. You, don't, you, don't, you might have read a book. You ever saw somebody try to counsel you but they'd never been through it? And you're like, oh, have you been through that? No, but I read a book. Shut up! 
Like until you know the pain of the pavement that I've run and the, the agony of life that I've walked, like I need someone that knows that. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Here's the good news about him being the author and finisher of your faith. Stand with me. I'm going to pray for you. He's the author and finisher. No matter what you're facing, what you're feeling, what you're going through right now. I know some of your legs are tired. Mine are too. I know some of you feel like you're about to faint. But the fact that you're about to faint means this. You're fighting. And the fact that you're fighting means you're struggling. And what you're struggling with, many have allowed to kill them what you're still struggling with. Which is proof that you're still fighting, you're still struggling, you're still working, you're still going, you're still believing, you're still breathing, and it's killed many, but you're still wrestling. And the devil would do everything he can in his power to get you to quit and sit down, stay tangled, and be comfortable. But God's saying, if you'll continue to fight, you win. If you'll continue to run and endure, you win. Come on, we're not quitting today. Jesus is the author. That means this page is just a page in the chapter. Come on. This chapter is just a chapter in the story. It doesn't end in destruction. It doesn't end in death. It doesn't end in despair. He's the author and finisher. He can rewrite the story in a minute. You measure in seconds. God measures in seasons. Look at somebody and just say, it's just a season. It's just a season. Come on. Come on. We're going to fight. Look at somebody else say, I'm not going to faint. I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep running. I want to pray for those of you today that feel like you're about to faint. Come on, some of you sat down on your marriage. You're still going. You're still showing up, but you sat down on your heart. You sat down on your job. You're still clocking in, but you sat down in your heart. Some of you sat down on your church. You're still showing up, but you sat down in your heart. Some of you sat down on your dream. Some of you just gotten so tired, you couldn't remain under that calling or that dream or that, that mission. You've got a calling, and you sat down on it. You're like, well, I'm just going to just do what I'm doing. It's on God. No, it's on God and you. Come on, you sat down. you got to stand back up this morning. I want to pray for you. If you feel like you're about to faint, about to sit down, we've got good news, you're fighting, and we're going to pray today for endurance, for you, for you to be able to remain under some stuff. No one looking around, not going to embarrass you. If you say, Jamie, I, I need prayer, I need endurance, I, I'm about to sit down on some stuff, or I've sat down, and I need strength to stand up. Put your hand up to me, let me pray for you this morning. Come on, across this room. Come on, I've, Father, you see our hands, you know our hearts. You know, the, the things and the weights that we carry, the pains we've gone through, the agonies of the race that we're on, the pavement of our journey. We ask for endurance right now. We ask for you to strengthen our weak knees and our feeble arms and that we'd lay aside every sin and every weight that so easily ensnares us that we can run this race with endurance. Holy Spirit, you're the great one. You're the great coach. You're the great strength. You're the encourager. Not by my voice or coercion or anything like that. By your spirit, God, fill us up and give us endurance today to run, to remain under, and to continue to fight. Come on, we will not quit. We are God's kids. If you're in this place just for another second, no one looking around, if you just need to get in the race, maybe you just have never given your life to Jesus as Lord, and you've been running your own race and your own pace with your own strength, and you're worn out, but you know that you're leading your own life and you're ready to surrender. Not to church, not to religion, not to rules, but a relationship with a man named Jesus that came to this planet, died on a cross to remove sin and shame and guilt, and came back alive to give us life and make us alive. Not to make us good, to make us alive. If you're here this morning, you know you need a start with God, a fresh, brand new start with God. If you're ready to make him the Lord and leader of your life, 
The Bible says all you have to do is ask for Jesus and surrender to Jesus. On three, I'm going to count to, to three. And I, I just, I just ask you to slip your hand up on three if that's you. I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you. But if you're ready and you know you need a fresh start this morning, you're ready to let God take control of your race, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Put your hand up to me and let me pray for you right now. Come on, anybody in here, I need a fresh start with God. Come on, God bless you, young man. God bless you. Come on, I need a fresh start. Today's your day. I need a fresh start. I'm giving my race to him. Anybody else? I need a fresh start this morning. God bless you, sir. God bless you, man. I see that. Thank you for your boldness. Father, you see every heart right now. We're here for you. We're not here for church or rules or regulation. We're here for your presence. And I ask you for every hand that went up, every heart that just opened up. Jesus, fill it with everything you got. You are the Alpha. You are everything. You are the Creator. Fill them with your spirit. Fill them with your power. Remove shame and regret. Give them the strength to fight and run and race as you lead their life. Lord, I thank you for every bit of doubt being removed from their mind, every bit of the enemy's tactics removed from their life. Fill them up so they can run this race in your honor, in your glory, for your fame, Jesus, that you would be their finish line. You would keep them from this day forward as they race for you. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you for being our Lord and Savior. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God praise this morning. Man, come on, I'm so proud of some of y'all that said yes like that. Come on, church, two, three people saying yes to eternity right there. Yes to eternity. Man, people shedding weights. Y'all are going, y'all should thank me. Look at somebody say, I'm leaving here lighter. Look at somebody else say, I just lost five pounds. Man, we got a church strategy up in here, losing five pounds going home. Don't gain it at lunch today. I love y'all.